You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Hello, and welcome to Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan. And I'm Eric. And we're finally back, and not dead. We are not dead. I am I'm, I feel like I probably sound a little dead. You are probably closer <laughs> to death this time uh, than than I was last time, but, which is why we didn't yeah. record. Yeah, we didn't record because you were sick, but yeah. I am committed to this podcast, and Look, I, yeah. even though I am clearly under the weather, I would Look, say the audience can tell. It wasn't just me that was sick. My entire family was sick. That's true. So, yeah. Yeah. This is weird. I'm I'm like nobody else in my family is sick. Um <laughs> but you're going to go home to just the plague. But I am. It's so weird cuz normally I don't get sick and everybody else does. Well, uh yeah. So, uh yeah, we we were supposed to be doing our first decades episode at mm-hmm. the end of January. And instead, my son got the flu and spread that to the entire house. So, yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah. No. Um <laughs> Now it is February, and we are still eventually going to be doing our Decades episode. We're just going to do a, uh, a two-part episode at the end of February covering the early days of cinema to 1919 and then the 1920s. So yeah. hopefully we'll actually be able to do that one because, man, that would suck if we also have to postpone that <laughs> one and then just do like three episodes I'm, in March. I'm already just about ready for it, just so you know. <laughs> I've done, I did so much research. I've, I, I need to watch a few more 1920s movies, but um, I'm, I'm ready, man excited i am not ready i still have research to do (laughs) and i keep going off on tangents of you know like uh watching one movie and then watching three others by the same directors so i know man it's so hard there are so many movies i want to watch and like the oscars just happened this past weekend and the oscars the academy awards the uh i don't follow okay yeah well yeah i don't know what to say to that (laughs) (laughs) I I am not. One I want of those to watch people a lot of those movies. Is what I was gonna say. I'm not one of those people who's like anti Oscars, because uh, I, I I think that they can be very informative. Of just like oh, here are some movies that you should probably already know that you need to watch. Like that's the thing about the Oscars. I don't really watch the Oscars, but I follow them pretty closely. Like sure. I just hop on Twitter and just see what people are saying about them, which is probably more entertaining than actually watching the ceremony itself. <laughs> Sure. Um, I yeah. I don't I, know. I think it's, there's merit to it. I, I, I it annoys me when people hate on the Oscars as like being self congratulatory and all that shit because literally every award show is self congratulatory. Like that is what awards are in general. It yeah. is congratulating people within your field. Um, I don't know. Whatever. I it's, it's I fine. enjoy it. This, this is not an anti Oscars episode. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm getting off on another yeah. tangent here. Anywho. It's been so long, Nathan. I feel like we don't we haven't talked in forever. I mean, we've talked, but just haven't put it not in front of a microphone. Not in front of a microphone. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't actually count. <laughs> we're not recording. So many things I want to talk about. <laughs> well, today uh, we're talking about spring. 
the movie, not the season. Um, I'm so ready for the spring season. I I'm ready for autumn. This already. weather has been ridiculous. I'm already ready for it to be Halloween again. That's yeah, that'd be nice. Anywho, <laughs> God, we are impossible to keep on. Track. I'm just gonna keep keep taking us <laughs> taking us down rabbit holes. Since it is February, uh, the theme for this month is love and monsters. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason for that theme is because Sadistic Intentions and After Midnight are both coming out on um, Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. February 14th. This in, Friday. In, in case people don't know what day that is. Yeah, February 14th. Yeah, it's a, it's a constant. This is really kind of a reminder, too, for like for those of you who have forgotten that Valentine's Day is coming up. Um, it's coming up, so you need to do that thing that you were maybe going to do for your spouse or yeah watch horror movies partner with them. or whatever because there's no other expression of love than than watching horror movies yeah this right? is your plan b if you didn't come up with anything you just now realize valentine's day is friday watch these movies yes both of them and maybe even <laughs> add spring on the movie we're going to talk about today and make it a triple feature uh, sure yeah, they're, they're all worth watching. Uh, yeah, so we, we had talked about Sadistic Intentions and After Midnight a lot. In fact, we joked about um, covering After Midnight again as part of the <laughs> series and it being like the fifth time that we've talked about it on the podcast in the last four months. But uh, there are other movies that we also want to talk mm-hmm. about. But they absolutely were the inspiration for uh, for the theme this month. So um, wherever you get your movies on demand, whether it be iTunes or Amazon or Google Play or or wherever, absolutely need to get After Midnight and Sadistic Intentions. And if you want our fuller thoughts on those, um, search our podcast because we've covered them literally like three times each. Yeah, we've talked about Sadistic Intentions. We reviewed Sadistic Intentions. Uh, we were there for the premiere of the mo- world premiere of the movie at Knoxville Horror Film Fest in 2018, which seems like such a long time ago. I know. Um, and then we talked about it as part of the Chet Film Fest coverage because yep. it screened there last year. Interviewed Eric Pennykoff, the director. We've had him on twice. a few times talk about it. <laughs> uh, and then after midnight, we talked about with the 2019 Knox Horror Fest mm. and 2019 Frightening Ass Film Fest. And then we had Christian Stella and Juan Ortiz uh, on, on the episode. So, yeah, we've uh, we, we love these movies a great deal. Good. And pre-order them, review them, tell them that you love them. Please go check them out. And yeah. um, to kind of jump off of After Midnight, one movie that we talked about quite a bit in our interview with Christian Stella is the movie that we're covering today, which is Spring, um, which is a film directed by uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who produced After Midnight. Yes. Um, and there's some fun little uh, connective tissue between these two movies that we talk about. I'm not going to mention on this episode, but if you want to go back to that interview and listen to it, then uh, you'll find out some fun correlations <laughs> it, is, it is a very long interview because it is very um, long that's true but. whenever we have people that we want to talk to we just get so just geeked out we're just like this is awesome we talk about everything and then like four hours later it's like we should probably start the recording now <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> anywho uh yeah so for february we're doing love and monsters and we're kicking things off with spring because of those connective tissues of how it relates to after midnight since that was mm. the inspiration for doing this theme this month uh, and, and the tagline for spring is literally love is a monster. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay, sure. That works. It's perfect. Well, uh, I think we should probably mention. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say before we dive into the movie, uh, just the housekeeping things yeah. of chat film fest is coming up in two months, which man, I cannot believe it's only two months away. And, uh, I, I am super excited. Um, 
I, I want to say tickets are already on sale. Pretty yes, sure they're already they on sale. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, get your tickets now. Book your hotels or your, um, you know, the the things, not the bed and breakfast. Reach what out they, reach out to your friends who you called? Wanna, in Chattanooga who you want to crash on their couch. The uh, what, What's the thing where you just paid to live in someone's house? Oh, uh, why am I drawing a blank on that? <laughs> you, if you hadn't asked me, <laughs> yeah, I, I almost said Uber. The, the it's Uber. like Uber for houses. Exactly. The Uber of houses. <laughs> uh, yeah. Find places to stay, get your tickets for chat film fest. Uh, it is going to be one hell of a year and I cannot wait for them to make their official announcements so that we can make our official announcements and start talking about these things. I, yeah, I might be more excited for this year than any of the previous years, but that's also like a constant mm-hmm. every single year. I am just more amped than I was the year before. Um, and, and yeah, super excited and cannot wait. It's only two months away. Yep. Get your tickets now. Chatfilmfest.org. Follow them. Submissions yep. for Knoxville Horror <laughs> Film Fest are also already open. And I want to say that uh, submissions for Frightening Us Film Fest are also open. They just opened like last week, I think. Yeah. yeah. So if you are a horror filmmaker out there, uh, submit to Knoxville and uh, Frightening Us Film Fest. Two great festivals that I absolutely love. Two great fests that taste great together. Exactly. Yeah. Two great fests that Eric's lazy ass doesn't show up to. So <laughs> I show up to half of them. <laughs> Or a third of them. You halfway show up to them. Yeah. <clears throat> we should probably start talking about a movie. Let's do it. All did, right. Did, did you have another uh, housekeeping thing? Oh, my only thing was just uh, talking about the theme of Love and Monsters this week. Yes. Um, there was one main thing I just wanted to point out ahead of time. So we had a hell of a time trying to decide what movies to cover <laughs> for this episode because um, there are a lot of a surprising number of horror movies that are love stories that have monsters in them in some form or capacity, whether the monster is um, the object of the affection or whether it's just kind of there right. in the background and represents some other, has some other thematic connective tissue to the love story. Um, There's also a lot of air quotes, love and monsters where the monsters are just very, um, we'll say predatory. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Love in quotes for sure. Yes. <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, things like species where it's right. so not about love or something like under the skin where it's, right. it's very much more of a predatory kind of uh, situation. Um, so the the main criteria that we established for ourselves with this is that we wanted the films to primarily exist within the romance genre where it is uh, we're covering movies that are love stories with a monster rather than a monster movie with a love story. Right. So things like um, the, was it like 2012 Godzilla movie? Whenever that was Uh Um, the one that totally misused Brian Cranston. Um, You know, there is a quote love story in that, uh, in that the, the main character loves his wife and he's trying to get back to her, blah, 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 blah. That is not the main focus of the movie. It is a straight up monster movie that just happens to have that sort of side story of love. Yeah. That's not going to be one of the ones that we cover because the love story is not the driving focus of the movie. Yeah. So each of the ones that we're going to be covering in, uh, in this month, like, the love has to be the main point of the story mm, with just some horror elements to right yeah it, it can't so like even uh like king kong because we, we went back and forth on whether or not that one would be appropriate yeah. in terms of like 
uh, is it really a love story or is it just a monster story with yeah, a damsel in distress? It's interesting because it depends on which which version you're talking about. Because some of that, like the Peter Jackson movie, I, I, I feel like you could almost make an argument for that it is a love story. Because because uh, for some reason, every time I think about Peter Jackson's King Kong, the first thing I think of is like the scene where they go out onto the ice. Sure. Um, and they're kind of like have this like sweet little dance or something. And it is a very romantic kind of scene, not even necessarily in like a... Like they're in love, but it just has a very romantic kind of quality to it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that there's an argument to be made for that. But I want—I didn't really want there to be any any semantical arguments about whether or not it's a romance. Like we right. wanted to pick movies that are very clearly, without a doubt romance movies right so like uh the next one that we're going to be covering in the series is the shape of water and Mm -hmm. we're definitely going to be talking about creature from the black lagoon when we talk about that yeah but i don't know if i would say that creature from the black lagoon would count in and of itself yeah i agree Even, even though there is the component of the creature just wants to find love in that woman but again that's more of it's less love and more uh procreating yeah um but like the uh, the creature, you know, Gilman, that to me brings it close to counting. Mm-hmm. But the humans, that does not count. That like because you know the the main guy and the main girl, yeah, they're in a relationship. But again, not a driving plot point. So that doesn't count in terms of a romance movie. Right. With I a think monster. it has to be reciprocated. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> For the most part. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. With all of that out of the way in terms of what our criteria were for the Love and Monsters movie, uh, we're going to start things out with Spring. And um, we're going to do the same thing that we do with all of our reviews where we talk about prior information and how that shaped our expectations, what we thought of the movie from a technical standpoint, what we thought of it from an emotional standpoint, how rewatchable is it, and what our recommendations are in terms of either who would enjoy it or what movies it would pair well with, so on and so forth. All right. So prior information for spring, what you got? Um, so I have never, I, prior to this, I'd never seen any of uh, Benson and Moorhead's films that they've directed. They've directed three movies and they have a fourth one coming this year. Yes. Um, Synchronic is coming out this year, uh, which will be their fourth feature film. Yeah. So um, I've heard so many great things about them over the years, like heard great things about the endless and, and this movie in particular, I've heard so much praise for and um when when i initially reviewed sadistic intentions i had referred to it as kind of like a horror version of before sunrise and that's basically almost every single review of spring you'll see has that exact same description um and i almost wish i hadn't used it for sadistic (laughs) intentions now because i still think it's appropriate but it fits this movie so much better and before sunrise really the whole before trilogy my love for this uh series of movies is well documented on this podcast it is probably my favorite (laughs) richard linklater is my favorite filmmaker i absolutely adore his movies and i think his trilogy as a whole is my favorite piece of cinema ever so i had expectations pretty high for this movie actually and sure it's funny because reading a a lot about it i think benson and moorhead they appreciate the comparison but i also think they don't like it because of how high it sets expectations for their film um but man i uh, so yeah, I really was just looking for a great romance and with some fun horror elements. Um, I also talk about the fly a lot and how I, <laughs> of course, I have to bring up the fly. How much I love of the romance course. of that. How much I love this subgenre in general. I absolutely love the fly. It is an amazing <clears throat> movie. I'm I'm 
Yeah, but yep. it has the best love story no, in almost any movie no. ever. Um, it, so yeah, my expectations it, the, were high. The, I was the really fly <laughs> has a great love story that you do not see on camera. Uh, okay, I'm just going to ignore that and move on. So spring, the, the, I really there's about 30 minutes of the fly <laughs> that it, is why missing. Why you know how I feel about the fly? I absolutely adore that movie. It is one of the first Cronenberg films that I saw. I I absolutely love everything about it. So yeah. Anyway, basically, <clears throat> what I wanted to, what I was hoping it's, is that missing by things. the end of spring, I was hoping to play spring alongside these other romantic horror movies and just romance movies in general that I love as one of my favorite movies within this genre um and and a movie that i think typifies the romantic horror genre because when we were when i was trying to when we were trying to come up with movies to cover for this um for this uh what the for this theme series yeah series sorry i'm still sick uh for this series spring was the one movie that popped up in every single list i mean so it felt like we had to do this and this Anyway, I really had high expectations for this sure. movie, um, and it uh, it actually met them pretty well. Maybe even exceeded them in a lot of regards. Sure, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. <clears throat> so I saw the Endless uh, at the Knoxville Horror Film Festival two years ago. Question mark. Whenever it screened, I at, at this point um, all of the film fests are starting to blur together in terms of when exactly I saw them. But I saw the Endless at Knoxville Horror Film Festival. Was it twenty seventeen? Yeah. Okay. So three years ago at this point, then uh, saw it at the Knoxville Horror Film Festival, and then saw it again at the Frightening Ass Film Fest. And so uh, seeing the Endless in sort of rapid succession, I absolutely loved it both times. And uh, I had not yet seen uh, Benson and Moorhead's first film, Resolution, until very recently. And part of the research that I was doing for uh, for this episode for Spring. I also went back and watched Resolution. But prior to watching Spring, I hadn't watched it. Uh, I had only seen The Endless. So that was the only exposure that I had to their films, and I, I absolutely love The Endless. And um, it uh, so far, all three of their films, I think, are amazing films. And when we get into the technical, we're going to talk a little bit more about this, where each of their films, I think, do a great job of establishing a very epic feel mm. on a very um, on a very limited scale. So, yeah. you know, it's either like a single location or it's very confined or it's very character driven and you don't really see that much epicness. But like you just get that feeling that there is something much, much grander at work in the universe of these films. Um, yeah. And it's fascinating because a lot of that they build out through a lot of very granular details that yeah. you don't typically see in in uh, bigger budget horror movies, oddly enough. Um, and because they focus so much more on little details, it makes the world feel bigger. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating. Like, I, I really respect their ambition as filmmakers. And uh, I forgot to mention in my cold induced, cold medicine induced <laughs> rambling that uh, I also watched The Endless after watching Spring because I enjoyed Spring so much that I really wanted to dive into some of their other work. I have not watched Resolution yet. You, you um, really need to watch I Resolution. I definitely want to, especially after The Endless. Yeah, because those... So one of the <clears throat> things that I love about Vincent and Moorhead is they are creating their own cinematic universe mm -hmm. where their films don't necessarily directly relate to each other, but they all take place within the same universe. Yeah. They tackle some very similar themes to, yeah. um, it, especially like the infinite and the finite, um, which we'll get into. We're absolutely going to get into that. Lovecraftian influence, uh, 
in in all of their films i think yeah um but one of the things so so they have a shared universe um the endless and resolution directly tie into each other you don't have to have seen one before the other but watching both of them you will have a more comprehensive uh view and understanding and appreciation for the other film yeah spring even though it is technically within the same universe it doesn't directly tie in um it's just more of a yep they totally exist in the same world callback yeah um yeah so so yeah uh having seen the endless and knowing a little bit more about their filmmaking and about their style uh i i knew a little bit more of what to expect with spring in terms of they benson and moorhead absolutely make horror movies that you barely see any of the horror. It's more of like they exist in a horrific realm. Yeah. But you don't really see much of it. It's much more of an existential kind of horror, I think. It's more like it is horrifying to think about the the repercussions of um, some of the choices that people make in their films or of just like what is going on behind the scenes in these kind of like science fiction-y fantasy worlds that they've built. Right. And this bleeds directly into the technical. One of the uh, things that I think makes it so successful is because they are so character-driven, you genuinely care about what's going on with these people. Mm. And so when, uh, even if you don't see something horrific, because of some of those implications, because of some of the, uh, like, yeah, this is the universe in which they exist, and here is this otherworldly thing, sort of, kind of, that you don't fully understand, but you also get whatever. Because you care about the characters, you care about what happens to Mm. them. And... And I, I think that um, they just do such an incredible job of that. And that, to me, is, again, like one of the driving forces behind their films is just caring about what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, so I one of the things I really like about, their, about Spring is um, the writing. I think that this movie does a really good job right up front of setting up um the characters like get helping you immediately to understand kind of the situation that um so let's i guess let's put it in the context of the plot so um the film follows evan who's played by lou taylor pucci who we recently talked about in the our episode on the evil dead remake he yes just before this movie um which well, not just before it but in it was the like last the year series. it was the year before I mean, like 2013, he made Evil Dead. 2014, he made Spring. Oh, he was in Spring. And we kicked off our newer isn't always better by talking about yeah, them. and that yeah, we proceeded it anyway. <laughs> what, what else has he been? I can't in? Maybe be... we'll find uh, ways to just do each of our series revolving around him. Just have him in every 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 fucking. <laughs> I, I can't talk. Okay, so uh, the movie begins with him um, next to his mother, who is clearly dying of cancer. Um, and what I love immediately about this movie right from the get go is like it automatically sets itself apart because it starts off and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be like a super heavy, intense kind of movie. It's going to be dealing with death and all this stuff. But um, Which is true. it is very true. But um, Benson Moorhead are really good at juggling various tones. And the opening scene of this movie, um, you know, we find out that his, his mother is dying and she tells a joke about death. And then dies. Yes. Um, and this is like first five minutes of the movie. So 
I want to save most of the spoilers for this movie for the ending, because we're definitely going to have to talk about the ending of this movie. Yeah, and when we talk about the ending, we are going to have spoilers. Yeah. It's still a recent enough movie that um, I, I think that people do need to watch it. It's such a so, smaller movie that I don't think a lot of people have seen, so right. I don't want to spoil it. Like so we when, when we get to movies. like those larger spoilers, we'll we will know. absolutely give a spoiler warning. Um, but yeah, I just love the way that this movie, like it just feels so human to have... Um, his mother on her deathbed make this joke um, about dying and it's a very funny joke and it's very kind of sweet and then she immediately dies it's like the last thing she says before she dies Um, and it's such a good primer for what to expect out of this movie Um, and then you know you understand that Evan is a person who is kind of lost now like his mother was kind of his anchor to the world Um, because he you later find out that (gasps) Um, he basically kind of quit school and had to go home to take care of his mother. And now that she's dead, he's kind of aimless. Um, and then uh, to also connect this to After Midnight, he his uh, best friend is Jeremy Gardner. Um, and man, the opening, the, some of the stuff in the bar scene of this movie at the very beginning is so hilarious. It is so funny. Um, but it's well, also... Jeremy Gardner just does a fantastic job of being just naturally funny. Yeah, he really does. Um, but basically events are set into motion where he, Jeremy Gardner is encouraging him to just get away, like go off on a vacation, do something you've never been able to do before. There's nothing here for you anymore. Um, there's also a situation where he gets into a fight at the bar with this asshole. Um, and yeah, so it does a really good job of kind of like setting this up to where Evan is kind of lost in this world and he makes a very impulsive decision to go off to Europe and go on a vacation because what else is he going to do with his life? Right. Um, did I say Jeremy Evan? I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You're going to have to help, help Eric me out has a, a head bit. cold. So uh, if at any point he doesn't sound like he's making sense, it's be just blame drugs. Yeah, you can stop me if you need to. Um. <laughs> so, um, so one of the things, and, and again, I've already mentioned this, that make these move that make the Benson Moorhead movies work, and especially with Spring, um, is again like all of these little flourishes of getting to know the characters in in ways that you don't necessarily need. And I think that one of the best examples within Spring is um, once once Evan does get to to Italy, he like. No, he doesn't start out in Italy. He goes somewhere. He starts off in the UK, I think, somewhere in England. Uh, no, no, actually, he does start off in Italy, but does like okay. instantly uh, meets up with these two UK guys and just befriends them because whatever, you know, you're in a new country. So sure, go hang out with people that you don't know. Yeah. He, he obviously had not seen Hostel. Um, <laughs> yeah, because he's out of Hostel, right? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like uh, he just dis- decides to go on this road trip with these two guys, you know, just cause. Oh yeah, that was kind of what I was going to get at with the uh, with the beginning of the movie is that like it's the kind of movie that I think it's actually really tightly written and really tightly constructed in terms of plot, but it doesn't feel like it. Like it feels kind of meandering, but I think it works really well. Like you get this big this scene with him kind of going on a road trip with th- these two guys, and it's so funny. These guys, you would they kind of seem like they would be obnoxious. But they're super endearing and fun, and they have the the one guy has this great story about losing the love of his life and how she goes off 
to and marry some other guy and he sees her later and she's fat and he loves it and all this stuff and like and he's like you're so lucky that you have someone who like me who's willing to you know get emotional with you and and you know share my emotions and it's just really funny and and sweet or whatever and then those characters just disappear yeah and before they disappear though one (laughs) it's it's such a small scene but again a great example of benson and moorhead like really giving you a lot of depth in these characters to feel like you're part of this world Mm -hmm. at one point they're just in wherever it is that they're staying and um one of the uk guys uh is asking for the wi-fi password and the other guy's like i I gave it to you it's on that (laughs) slip of paper he's like uh no you didn't it's like yes yes i did oh you used it for a roach didn't you so like (laughs) again not important to the story whatsoever and it's a scene that very easily could have been cut Mm -hmm. but i also feel like it was really necessary to kind of put you in that environment and to help you feel like okay yes this tells me a lot about what i need to know about these characters yeah even though they do just disappear and i well, and the, we the, talked the story about... probably. All right, I I love Spring. I want yeah. to start off there. There are so many things that I love about this movie. We're not in the emotional side yet, but it, it's very, very important for me to say that I absolutely love Spring. Mm. Technically, I think that the pacing is great, and at no point did I feel like, ugh, what's going on here? Like I I was fully invested in the movie throughout the entire time. The entire subplot with those two British dudes, I feel like could have been cut. Yeah. And it wouldn't have negatively affected the movie. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like Evan could have just started off in this small town and and just jumped straight in. I don't feel like you really needed these other characters. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also don't feel like they distracted from the movie too much because it did put you more in the headspace of what Evan was going through with the yeah sure i'm lost i'm just aimlessly following these two guys that invited me on a road trip i might die fine whatever so like it, it is important mm. it, well and that's it, why it's, it's just such a weird like it matters but it also doesn't well, and it could have been cut yeah. but it also is is vital to understanding who he is and it's just i knew that very interesting balance i knew that you were gonna bring this up and that's kind of why i was priming priming this with the the screenwriting thing because i think this movie has a really fantastic screenplay and the older i get the less i'm interested in movies that like strictly <clears throat> follow the three-act structure and that like i think that a movie that has scenes that are completely unnecessary um i think that movies like that that those scenes have to be even stronger they have to really find a way to justify themselves and i think the the scene does a good job of first of all evan doesn't really talk that much whenever he's interacting with these people they he's kind of just like reacting to them and just like tagging along with them which just kind of shows that he is someone who is drifting through life he doesn't know what he wants at this point um so it does good to build character but it just fills in this world with people that you want to hang out with like this kind of getting back to the link letter connection i this movie's kind of just a hangout movie like after he um he meets not uh nadia hilker is the actress louise is the name of her character after he meets her uh which i want to get into their uh their anti meat cute in a minute because it's so so fun um like he meets her and then he's like yeah i'm just gonna stay here and those other guys are like cool and then they leave yeah and then you never see them again and it's like 
yeah, you could definitely cut that out and it would streamline the movie. It would make it run quicker because this movie is kind of long. It's an hour and 50 minutes, but it never for me, I understand if other people feel this way, but for me, I enjoy just being with these characters so much that it never felt long to me. And I didn't want that scene with the two guys cut because it just was fun to hang out with them. Yeah. Um, and I think so it serves just as a piece of entertainment and as a good way to build character and build out the world. Yeah. And something that I think uh, is that to your point of um, just the screenwriting of Benson Moorhead, I think that something to me, at least that uh, that really highlights just the, the quality of their films. So much of their movies are just either walking and talking or sitting and talking like watching spring and then going back and watching resolution. And I started to watch the endless again, but I didn't have a a chance to fully get through it. So much of these movies are about talking about what's happening Uh and like, yeah, there are things that, that happen, but there's not a ton of action. Yeah. And even though there's just just a, almost a glut of explaining things, <clears throat> I never really feel like they're going to the um, to the fault of telling rather than showing. Yeah, it, it's almost like they're showing by telling, like yeah. they're showing mm-hmm. by having realistic conversations about I don't understand what's going on, rather than we have to explain this to the audience. There might be a little bit of that here and there. There, but there is quite a bit in the back half, but it's not—it's not egregiously awful. It, it works, I think. Because, yeah, and it's and it's because they don't directly address a lot of the a lot of the things that they're trying to explain in the movie. Like they are addressing it through dialogue, but by talking about other things, by talking about things that like talking about their interests or talking about their. Um, or like even just like talking about sex and things like that. I mean, like just having general conversations that people who are in a relationship would talk about. Right. Like they, they their interactions feel so authentic. Yeah, exactly. Like they address things through conversations that you would expect real people to actually have. Right. Which again, they establish through all of that character development and just being fully invested in these people on the front end, mm. which again is why even though that entire subplot with uh, those two British dudes could have been cut it wouldn't have put you in the headspace of evan and you wouldn't have fully understood what he's like and so when it does get to the point of just other things being talked about it would have felt too much like okay we have to explain everything to the audience mm-hmm. um and and so i just think that that um just really highlights again the uh, the abilities of vincent moorhead to to really be telling rather than showing yeah. but it not feel like they're doing that well which it also is just weird to it me. also helps because i think they have a very distinct visual style um that is very um very observational i think it's not like they have a, this movie has a lot of one take like long takes in it like there's a there's a sequence later on that we'll talk about i'm sure that's eight minutes long and it's fantastic but it's not like super showy to try and draw attention to the fact that oh that can you tell that this is a movie or this scene has been shot in one take look how cool this is it's just very like incidental like it almost feels improvisational yeah um like a documentary 
And I really like that about the about their movies. And it also like e- even though it's improvisational, it still has so many gorgeous shots. Like this, the location that they're in in Italy is so beautiful, and they have these great transitions with these drone shots that kind of like fly up and let you see this coastal Italian town, and it's just gorgeous and really. Um, really works as a cool contrast to like all the like icky, gross horror elements that are going on later on in the movie. And um, but even with those, like even with those <clears throat> icky, gross horror elements, you I don't, don't actually see. You don't see that much. It's very suggestive. You, it's so good. Yeah, you see it enough to get a uh, a real sense of what this monster is like. Uh-huh. Except but, you don't, <laughs> which right. is what's brilliant about it. Like it's constantly trying to hint at what this what the monster is without telling you and then later on it'll give you another hint and you're like wait now i have a totally different idea of what this is like i have no idea what it is and i'm can't wait to find out right and, and then there is maybe a little bit too much over explanation of things but within the context of what evan actually understands i yeah like he would have needed that much explanation to actually understand what's going on yeah. so that's why it doesn't feel mm. it, it doesn't feel like it's pandering to the audience mm-hmm. because you understand what he understands. And so sometimes things need to be explained to him. Mm. And it's particularly impressive too, because this movie is <clears throat> on a shoestring budget. I mean, like they had no money for this and the visual effects, which are done by Aaron Moorhead. Um, they're extremely impressive. And it's through the use of like obvious practical effects, some, a little bit of CG augmentation, but through really good editing as well. Like you only get brief glimpses. So you don't quite notice if the CGI is a, a little dodgy, you don't quite notice it because of the way that it's edited. And it's, yeah. it's really brilliantly done. Um, but yeah, we're going off on another tangent. I want to go back just a little bit to the moment that Evan meets Louise. Sure. Um, first of all, she's in this like really bright red dress, which is striking because the rest of the movie is kind of washed out and has this has kind of like a warm glow to it, I think. But I don't know. The the color palette is really weird. I, I don't really like how desaturated some of it is at times. Um, but what works about it is she immediately makes an impression in that red dress when you first see her. And it starts off as like this very, like I kind of groaned at first because I'm like, oh God, this is like such a horrible male fantasy wish fulfillment trope where he sees her, he's going to go up and he's trying to work up the nerve to talk to her. And she's basically like, hey, you want to get out of here? And that's it. Like, she's clearly DTF. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what it is. Well, and and again, to put it in a dude bro term, they established that earlier when he first meets those two uh, UK guys and he just goes up and talks to a group of uh, Italian women. And he's just like, uh, do you like me? And they're all like, no. Yeah. And so, again, like, it's such a little scene that then comes back to, to have an impact on when he meets her. He's just kind of like, hey, let's go out. She's like, no, let's leave right now. Yeah. But she's like, leave right now. And we, you can well, do whatever he, you want. But he's like, uh, I'm supposed to get the next round. Yeah. <laughs> <Which>. <laughs> it's so funny. And then he literally starts insulting her. Like mm-hmm. he's like, uh, he's, he's so leery of what she's doing. Like he thinks that she's a prostitute or that she's like, going to rob him or something. And she's like, my God, why did you have to make this so complicated? Yeah. And then walks away and it's like, Oh, that's a fun subversion of what is typically done in these movies where it's like oh like you know we accidentally bumped into each other and i don't know i don't know like typically it's so goofy and contrived and in this one it's like their relationship literally starts with 
her not wanting anything to do with him and just like totally rejecting him. It reminded me and a him rejecting bit, her too. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of a um, a video that I saw. I don't know Facebook, YouTube. I don't remember where I saw it, but it was this girl that um, like she was responding to like cat calls and things in a positive manner to highlight that guys who are being dude bros. Uh, like they're just being very like on the surface machismo. But if someone actually accepts those advances, they're just kind of like, like, Oh, uh, what? what? Yeah. So, um, it's also a good gender flip of what you typically see in these kind of movies. Yeah. So like one of the on the man and one of the ones, uh, in, in this video, and I can't remember who it was or when I saw it anyways, uh, like she's just walking down the street and this guy's says something like, Hey, you're hot. Let's get married. And she's like, okay. Yeah. And Mm. like, then just starts walking (laughs) with him and talking. And he's just like, you're, you're crazy. Get out of here. Yeah. And so it reminded me of that in terms of, like you said, just that male fantasy expectation of, Oh, there's this hot girl. I'm going to go up and talk to her and she's going to want to be with me. And then she's like, all right, let's leave right now. And he's just, uh, no, let's go on a date. Let's meet tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, it just, it it does kind of subvert those expectations. Mm-hmm. And once you find out about her true nature, it yeah. makes that whole conversation plan a totally different light. Like you understand exactly why she is approaching him the way that she is. Um, yeah, it's, it's really great. Um, so let's, since we're talking about how they meet, uh, let's talk a little bit about the ending. Oh, because <laughs> we're just going to skip straight to it. Well, I, to me, it makes, um, yeah i don't know i do i I really because i feel like most of what i want to say at this point is more of my like emotional response to things and how that ending ties into it yeah because again like the rest of the movie there is a lot of talking but in a way that you don't really notice it you might notice it now since we're pointing it out um but but there is just you get to know more about the relationship and i i have I, I mean, yeah, this movie. like really, for I, the have next... one, I have one small complaint and one large complaint hmm. and like the rest of it is just like, I, I love it. It's great. And I like, I want to talk about those things. Well, now. yeah, no, I, I totally get you. I, I just want to point like the next 45 minutes of the movie basically is literally just them hanging out. I mean, yeah. that really is what it is. Like they're sharing things about themselves. But what I really like about it too, is that they're sharing things, but also both of them are being very protective of themselves and not communicating certain things. Like there's a, a scene at a certain point where she starts asking about his family and he becomes very closed off and she gets really mad. And she's like, yeah, I mean, you know, if you, uh, really want to get to know each other, then like, why are you holding back from me? Like, if you if you really want to go on a date with me, if you expect me to open up about myself, why won't you tell me about it? And then he opens up, and then I think she wasn't expecting him to in a certain way, and then it kind of makes her feel guilty about not revealing certain aspects of herself, which yeah. is totally understandable. I don't know. It's I love the way that this movie is. It kind of does a good job of really um, mimicking that feeling of meeting someone for the first time and the excitement that you feel meeting that person, but also like how awkward it can be and how you don't really want to tell too much about yourself because you're afraid of pushing that person away or showing or like being vulnerable with them. And it gets at the heart of like how a lot of relationships are built on lust and desire, but then to maintain a relationship, you have to have open communication and how difficult that can be, but how, 
once you open up about it, how it's usually not nearly as huge of a deal as, as you expect it to be. So and just like the fear of a new, the fear and excitement of a new relationship. It's, it's so beautiful. I don't know. I love it. So I love this shit, dude. I, 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 I 100% agree. This in horror movies. Which brings me to my first minor complaint. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, this isn't me just like trying to trash on a movie. Cause again, absolutely adore spring. I think it is an amazing movie that everyone needs to watch. But we've talked about numerous times on on the podcast before how we do uh, want to provide our honest opinions about these movies. My first small complaint, this movie takes place over five days. Like their relationship yeah. is five days. It's a very compressed time frame. And they take the time to say that it's only been five days. Watching the movie, it does not feel like it's been five days. It feels like he has been there for the entirety of a spring. It feels like he has been there for a season. Uh, it yeah. feels like watching their relationship that you've been watching it develop over weeks and months. And then they say something about how they met five days ago. And like to, to me, it was just so jarring of like, mm-hmm. wait, what? So I, I've literally been watching every single second of their interactions together. Yeah. That... I no, I I feel like there should have been gaps there. The, well, the it changed from day one to day two. There shouldn't have been that much growth between day two and day. That, well, and it it kind of doesn't help that he. You also have this other kind of subplot going on where Evan um, starts working as a farmer with um, this older gentleman named Angelo, and it's it like there there's this language barrier between them, and it's so beautiful because their relationship is basically one of limited communication and just the work that they do together with uh like planting these fruit trees and and harvesting and and it feels like you've been watching them grow and develop together over an entire season he's learning to become a farmer and grow these fruit and it's like a great metaphor for cultivating a relationship and dealing with mortality and and like all these other very like grandfatherly uh, and it's like wait no you've been there for five days and it's great because it's it's so it's so like i love the language barrier thing because it's it doesn't fall into the trope of like hey i'm an old man and i'm gonna tell you about life Except he does. Except he just does, in but in English. a in a great like visual metaphorical way, and it's beautiful. I love it, and yeah, it's so weird because if they had not, if they had not, if there was not a piece of dialogue there later in the movie that was like, "Hey, it's only been five days," I would have assumed it had been weeks. Yeah, uh, because it, of the way months. it's edited together, and yeah. I, I get the reason why it's in a compressed. And why it's only in a week. The plot makes sense based off of what you come to find out. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, so like I get it. And that's why it's just a minor complaint within the context of the plot. It makes sense and it matters. But all of the things that you were just saying about what you get to see about the relationship and how, uh, you know, it gives you that excitement, but also that fear of what if they don't like me and Mm -hmm. Like, even in my dumbest, like, early college days of just like, I'm madly in love. I think about within the span of a week of, like, meeting someone and, uh, you know, like, how I would feel about them by the end of the week. Mm -hmm. And it was never that intense, that quick. And it was just like... I, I get it. It's a movie. It's 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 exaggeration. It's suspension of disbelief. But it's a pretty classic the, Hollywood romance. I mean, it's a whirlwind kind yeah, of. Yeah, and you know, like you see, uh, you know, like uh, um, uh, American in Paris. Um, I I want to say that like they had only met two or three times, and he's madly in love with her. But somehow that old Hollywood, it feels different. 
yeah. because I, I don't You're know. Watching like, it I, within the context of when it was made. Right. And it doesn't feel like it's supposed to be realistic, mm-hmm. but modern movies to me feel like there's more of a sense of realism mm-hmm. of trying to take sometimes these very grand supernatural themes and put them within the context of if the real stuff isn't believable, people aren't going to buy into the mm-hmm. unbelievable nature of things. And, and to me, that's a little bit of what's going on is I'm totally on board and everything that you were mm. saying about the relationship, 100% agree. Yeah. When he says it's been five days, like that took me out of it just enough to be like, wait, what? Yeah. Which is then going to lead in to my much larger complaint about the ending, which uh, I want to make sure that we've covered everything before we get to that, because major spoilers um, when we talk let's there. Let's see here. Let me think if there's anything else I wanted to talk <clears throat> about. Um, I, I took really, zero notes for this film. Like, I was so engrossed. And, and again, part of that emotional, so engrossed in what's going on that my notes are literally just uh, when I watched it. Like I, I didn't take anything because I just, I just cared and, yeah. and I was really enjoying it. So even with these complaints, it does not diminish my reaction to the movie overall. Um, let's say the only other thing I want to mention, we talked about the visual effects a little bit. I do want to point out that I don't think this is a scary movie. Like there are no jump scares. Or, well, there's one jump scare, but kind of later in the movie that's you know, whatever they just threw a jump scare in there. Yeah. I think this movie is in certain points, exceptionally creepy. Uh, I just wanted to highlight one. There's a long shot of, um, Nadia in the alleyway, um, where she it's, it's like super far away and there's a cat in the alleyway and she looks like this frail corpse, like almost stop motion creature. And it is one of the most unsettling images I've seen in a movie in a very long time. It is so creepy. And um, it just, the way that they do it, and again, on, on the budget that they have, is just exceptional. I love it. It's, yeah. it's one of those things that reminds me of why I love independent movies so much and how sometimes, like, what you suggest and, like, not showing too much is so much better than, like, just going whole hog into, like, showing everything and why sometimes limited budgets are a blessing. Yeah, well, and that ties into what <laughs> I was saying earlier in terms of Benson and Moorhead really creating this universe where you have a sense of dread without, like, being scared. Because <clears throat> in, in Resolution, I don't think that there are any jump scares, <clears throat> but there's just something feels off. And when yeah. you get to the end you man it feels really off yeah uh with the endless there are two jump scares um the the dude in the tent and um yeah and the the lake scene and like that's it like those are really from what i remember the only two jump scares and both of those there's enough priming to where they're not really that jump scares it's more of just like that musical sting Mm -hmm. which i yes understand that is the jump scare um but again, like their movies are so just you feel off and you feel unsettled. And that is what they are trying to do. And one. So, man, <laughs> we, we've been blurring the uh, technical and the emotional. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I love so much about their movies is that they do really play with themes of the finite and the infinite and uh, and time mm-hmm. and um, what we do with our time. And I think that – and I hadn't really thought of it until just now, but one of the reasons that their movies just unsettle me so much is what you and I have talked about on the podcast before where just that fear of the infinite yeah. and that fear of the unknown. And these movies put me in that mindset of, 
oh dear god what if mm-hmm. like if i was in that situation that would be just utterly terrifying more so in resolution and the endless than in spring but there are still some of those themes there is still uh again that playing with time and and finite and the infinite and and again because you don't actually see it but they just give you that feeling these movies make me feel off makes you feel small (laughs) yeah but but in in exactly the way that they're trying to and that is one of the things that i love so much about them where they're not scary not scary Mm. at all but at the end of them ah man just something about me is like i need a feel-good movie even though these are not feel bad movies but it's just like i need I, well and that's one thing i really like I, about I, it too I need, I need is splatter for they're dealing now. with it's kind of like they're dealing in this kind of lovecraftian pseudo sort like sort of nihilistic some of these nihilistic ideas and that are like really terrifying to contemplate but i think they do it with such optimism like uh, with an uh, with a sense of optimism that yeah. i really appreciate whether it always works in context or not is uh, debatable and we'll definitely have to talk about that in just a second but one of my favorite scenes in spring <laughs> doesn't matter to the plot at all it is probably one of the most throwaway scenes but again it matters so much because of the characters uh when evan finds out some of the grander things that are going on and he calls um oh, he God, calls jeremy so gardner <laughs> you don't even hear jeremy you have no idea what he actually says you only hear evan's side of the conversation but what he says and how he then responds i i love it it is it it's just such a realistic piece of humor yeah. of i don't know how to cope with what i just found out it's so i'm it's gonna so call my friend What's that? You're stoned. All right, bye. Like, yeah, I just Lou Taylor, <laughs> I love it so. Lou much. Taylor Fucci's performance is so great. He sells it so well. That's like the culmination of that like eight minute long shot that we were talking about, and just the way that that plays out and the way that he plays it off, and it, it, it's such a great like like it is the true turning point of the movie, I guess, where it's like okay, um, everything that I've ever known is gone. Like yeah. that is him hanging up the phone is like I'm hanging up the phone on every on my past and everything else that i've yeah. done in life and and, and it this felt, is it yeah, felt like such a real response because th- there aren't many moments like that but um you know like surely you can think of something that's happened in your life even if it was just like getting into a wreck where what you would expect to be your response of just like oh my god i'm so shaken up or blah 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 it's not what happens. It's a true like, moment of shock. Yeah, yeah I feel like, like you a, call someone and like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, shock. not bad. Just totaled my car. You want to get lunch later? Like, it's uh, just like, <laughs> there's like, wait, what? It, it's that kind of response. Yeah. And again, it feels so real and, and I love it. It's fantastic. I, I really love that scene a lot. And I especially love like the, the, uh, the cut after that cuts to i kind of feel like we're in spoiler territory a little bit yeah here. Let's, but, so uh, it cuts to angelo um like grieving his wife the the old man that he moves in with grieving his wife and it's like it, it's the moment where he's like you know what life sucks bad things are going to happen to people i love and i know how to deal with it now it's better to i mean it's it's a pretty simple like it's better to have loved and lost than never have loved at all kind of thing but it's sure. delivered in such a like beautiful emotional way i don't know I, I i love it it's so sweet and tender and so let's get into major spoilers and talk about the yeah. ending major 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 spoilers um i mean you can probably get most of what's going on in the movie even though we've not explicitly said 
Um, however, the ending of the movie, I I feel like you need to be on that journey and get to the end and experience mm. it yourself rather than hear us talk about it. So if you have not yet seen spring, if you have not yet seen spring, I absolutely recommend it. There is no question about my recommendation. Yep. You need to watch spring. If you don't want any spoilers, skip ahead. I I don't know seven minutes, maybe skip ahead a yeah. few minutes. We're we're probably going to talk about this. At, maybe not. We might just talk about it for like two seconds. Be like, yep, <laughs> that's it. Uh, skip ahead a little bit, um, or you know what? After this point, it's probably just going to be the um, rewatchability and recommendations. Yeah. So let's do that. Let's go ahead and talk about rewatchability and recommendations, um, so that. If someone wants completely spoiler free, they can sort of get to the end of our overall coverage and stop it there. Mm-hmm. And then people who have been like, oh, I've seen it or I don't care about spoilers. What are their thoughts on the end? So rewatchability, um, I, I think it, it I don't know. I think that it is very rewatchable in the sense that it is incredibly well made. And I absolutely love this movie. And I definitely would watch it again. Mm hmm. I feel like there would need to be some space in between it because so much of it is just talking. Yeah. Well, I I don't, it's not even that for me. I think it's because like movies like this are movies that you really have to kind of savor and sit with for a while. Um, And I also, I think it's a great movie because uh, it's the, it's the kind of movie that as soon as it was over, I wanted to rewatch it. Like I wanted to immediately rewatch it and be like, okay, I need to, there's it deals with so many different kinds of themes about relationships and death and it, it i don't know that their conversations veer off into all kinds of different ter- different territories about history and science and all these different things that i just want to dive into more and learn more about yeah and it builds this world that i love just existing in just just sitting with these characters um, but much like, like as much as I talk about how much I love the before trilogy by Richard Linklater, I've only seen those movies once each. I have seen them zero times. And, each. Right. But I count them among my favorite movies because they are that because of just the impact that they had that I want to live with that for a while. And I will, I definitely want to rewatch them at some point, but I think they're movies that are better to experience seldomly, I guess. Sure. Um, and just let them be an experience that lingers with you rather than just like watch over and over again in, a, in an entertaining kind of way. Yeah. So here... Rewatchable I, with space. Definitely rewatchable. I'm yeah. definitely going to watch this movie again. Well, and uh, I, even though I've already mentioned this, I think a better way to explain the rewatchability of Spring is to highlight the fact that um, once I was done with Spring, I instantly wanted to watch Benson and Moorhead's other movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think like the day after we watched Spring, uh, you texted and like, hey, Resolution is on Prime now. Like, yeah. sweet, watching it now. And watched <laughs> Kind of feels it. like cosmic intervention, doesn't yes. it? <laughs> <laughs> and instantly watched uh, Resolution. And as soon as I was done with that, um, I started watching The Endless, but I didn't have a chance to finish it just because of time and, you know, like being an adult and a father and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have That's why I don't watch Resolution either. Uh, so I, I didn't have a chance to finish them, but... I watched two and a half of their three movies within the span of like two or three days. Mm-hmm. And and I want to go back and actually finish The Endless again, but I want to watch it from beginning to end. But they're long movies. They do not they're, make yeah, short like movies. Two hours, oh, about two hours each. I, I, I love it, but yeah, they're not easy movies to just like 
throw on and have done in the span that my son takes a nap. I don't feel like they f- they don't feel like long movies. They which do is, not drag. They don't drag at all. Like the pacing's great. A- a- again, if you have to kind of be the kind of person who enjoys movies that are just people talking, right? Um, but because I'm sure there are people that would totally disagree with us. Um, but and, yeah, and I, there are reading some reviews on Letterboxd. Yeah, there are some no, people are. who are just like, "Oh my god, this movie's so boring." Yeah, eh, whatever. You just want it's an action movie. That's yeah. not what you're here for. Well, I think it's an expectations thing. A lot of people probably go into it expecting a full-on monster movie, and that's not what this is trying to be at right. all. Which is part of why we include our expectations at the very beginning, right? Um, um, so yeah, like that to me is the rewatchability of Spring. Is yeah. I loved it to the point where I wa- where I needed to watch Resolution, and like I was angry that it wasn't streaming until like the next day yeah. when it was and it's, then i watched the endless uh, most of it and i cannot wait to watch synchronic so like even though the movie it, spring itself you need space because it, it doesn't have that same action it doesn't have that same um it just it, there's not enough going on to be like oh man i need to rewatch it right now but it is a movie that you want to share with people that you want them to see that mm. I recommend to other people. Um, and it got me invested in, I want to see what else the people have, uh, who made this movie have Absolutely. made. So movie I just yeah. want to talk about, like yeah. I was so excited to podcast. <laughs> good good thing for us. Right. Doing that. Well, and it's like, sometimes you watch a movie and it's like, okay, yeah, that was fun, whatever. Uh, but this movie, it's like, I immediately, like, it's funny cause I didn't immediately want to podcast about it because I needed to sit and think about it for a yeah. while especially the ending yep um but uh it's the kind of movie that i'm like as soon as i finished it i was like hey uh, i just finished the movie uh can we talk <laughs> and we came down here we were like working through our feelings on the movie and it was great it was it was very therapeutic and, and we're about to work through those feelings uh with um, you the audience yeah um so. in terms of recommendations i mean you you've already said fans yeah. of the before trilogy um, if you're a fan of, if you are a fan of romance movies, if you like me, love the fly because of the romance rather than the horror, then this is a movie for you. If you are like me <laughs> and think that the fly does not actually show enough of that romance and you see the beginning and then it skips over everything and jumps straight to the end. It is and true you're that you're just supposed to expect that they love each other. The fly does happen over the course of like a week too, like three or four days. I think it is. Like yeah, a, but like they're together and then they're broken up and then like months later, they're just, I, it's not even months later. No, that movie takes place in a really short amount of time. I, I just, I, I have, well, maybe I, it's I a love few the weeks. fly. I really love the fly. I just don't think that enough of the relationship is shown. The romance is over the course of a few days, so I'll give you that. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, <laughs> if if you like your romance movies with a dash of existential dread, then um, then yeah, I, I think that Spring is absolutely for you. Um, again, if you like horror movies that don't focus on the horror element. But that's just a horrific world in which people live. This is the kind of movie for you. If you want Jason Voorhees, then no, this is not a slasher. This is not a monster movie. There is a monster in it, but it is not a monster movie. Um, Man, even even next week or next episode, whenever that is, that we talk about Shape of Water, that it is absolutely a romance movie. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a slow movie, but oh my God, I love it. We're, we'll get to that. Yeah. Shape um, of Water is more action packed than Shape this movie. Shape of Water is, yeah, <laughs> there is more going on and there is more monster, even though the creature spends most of its time in, in, in a, a tank. tank. Yeah. 
even Shape of Water feels like a more action-packed movie than than Spring. Yeah, Shape, yeah. Which is weird because it, it, that is a slow drama with a lot of emotions, which I love. I love, yeah. absolutely love it. I I have like zero bad things to say about Shape of Water. Spoilers. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, if if you're looking for an action-packed movie with a lot of sex and violence, that's not what you're going to get. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, so spoiler wall, you have hit it. Yeah. If you uh, if you don't want to know anything else, go watch Spring, then come back and listen to the rest of this. The ending. Yep. I love Spring. Yeah. I do not love the ending. I I'm waffle. I I feel like I have to justify my love of the ending because it's okay. So let's let's dig into it. First of all, it, I it's the the ending makes up, sense and I hate it. Does that make sense? Yeah. To set it up, um, the third act of the movie is basically it takes it is literally a movie where they are hanging out before sunrise. Yeah. Because she's it, about to transit. It's about about to be reborn. Yeah. Right? If, if we hadn't made it clear from all of the other just hints and subtext, she is a monster. She is an eternal monster that. Uh, once every, I think she said like twenty every years. Every um, right? Or yeah, whenever. Like she, twenty years. Yeah. She has to have the seed of some dude, and like that is how she regenerates herself. And then she sort of like just molts her old body, yeah. and is reborn. It's the fascinating, same, but also it's, different. It's but. it's kind of ridiculous when you really think about it. But I do appreciate that they try to have like a scientific explanation where it doesn't feel super expositiony. Um, well, again, everything's explained, but it's because she's explaining it to him. Yeah, so you know what he knows, and, and it's very like sort pseudo scientific, but it works in context. I think because it's like. I need to be impregnated because I have to absorb the embryonic stem cells and that is how I'm reborn. Um, She mentions that like if she, I don't know exactly, I don't remember exactly how they explain it, but she can also access her adult stem cells to prevent herself from turning into a monster or whatever into like. Rather than absorbing the stem cells of creating a baby, she just has a baby she just gets pregnant yeah she's just pregnant she becomes mortal yeah she, she ends up and the way that they explain it is like if she falls in love i guess basically and, and she I, has no control over it it's, it's, just, it's interesting because i i do kind of like the idea about it because it kind of gets at the fact that love is irrational and sure. a very chemical kind of thing where sure. it's like you can't control who you love except for the um, fact that you also can and relationships yes, take yeah. work. I mean, that's true. That is true. But this is very much about a, this is a romantic sort of love. This I, is an I early in your it. relationship. Yep. I'm going Five to do anything in, for you. Maybe kind of seven love. days in at this point. Um, it, so basically it's saying like, yeah, I can't control it because it is my body is it's a chemical reaction. So if I fall in love with you, I'm going to give you one day to, you know, I want to, I really enjoy spending time with you. Sure. I, but I'm not going to sacrifice immortality because the fascinating thing about this movie is that it not, or Louise, um, 
likes being immortal. Yeah. And typically in movies about vampires and all that shit, like they hate it. It's like they're they're so horrible. eternally it's, lonely. Yeah, and... it's like their existential crisis. They will everyone they ever love will die and blah blah blah. But she loves it. Like she's she doesn't give a shit about falling in love with some man. She doesn't well, need no like, man. She just wants th- to like live and travel and and that adds context to earlier when she was like, why'd you have to make this difficult? Because she didn't want to date him. She just that's wanted why she wanted a one night stand. To, yeah. Exactly. I, which is fascinating. I, 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 it's interesting. I think that all of the things that they are saying about romance and, and lust and just all of that excitement of early relationships, Mm. I think works again, especially because it has only been a week. And, and so there are a lot of things about it that I like what they are doing, Mm -hmm. but she's such a fascinating character. And I, the setup is basically, mm. I, I, I don't like the end. I don't like the end because so, it had only been a week. Yeah. So at, at the end, she turns human because she asks him about the finite. And he's like, oh, half of your life is spent on coffee dates. And you watch the sunrise. And just like like it, <laughs> when you and I were uh, talking about it, it was like it felt like watching uh, a freshman in their intro to philosophy course feeling like they understand the world mm-hmm. now. And it's just like, shut the up. Up. And, and it's to, just it, it was so so annoying and for me and, it's it's funny because ah, like watching it so at the end i love the way that it is shot like the way that it's shot you have the sunrise coming up in the background you know that it, it adds this great ticking clock narrative where she's like on the verge it's like she keeps transforming into different monsters because she's accessing monsters from our like right evolutionary past which is a really interesting idea like it makes her you never know what kind of creature she'll be next and like she'll kind of werewolf out and almost bite him at one point or hit, like I love the scene where like you have the tail in the background lingering as she's trying to take her shot and like the effect when her eye is turning into like that giant I don't know it's so incredible it, yeah some, some great stuff and, beautiful. And, and like that's even a really great scene where the tail is about to attack him but like she's talking to mm-hmm. him and so you get to see uh, she's sort of about her that, that split between so... her emotional side trying to connect with him mm-hmm. and her body like physically trying to reject, trying to reject, him. reject yeah. him so there's some really interesting stuff going on it's a great way to externalize the actual emotions of of like you're getting into a relationship you're like I know that what I want is to be free and I don't want to be tied down. I want to do all these things, but I can't help falling in love with this person, which on the one hand, it, if, if he were a more interesting character, like there, he is so anti everything. Like it's a very opposites attract kind of thing. Like she's so into science and he's like, oh, I don't know anything about that stuff. And he's she... super close to being dude bro but like he's kind of endearing and, I think it, a lot of it is uh, is just Lou Taylor Pucci's he, performance. He I, is a very blank slate. Yeah, I mean, and it's, she is a manic pixie dream girl. I mean, yeah, and, like it is totally understandable why he would love her. She's fascinating yep, and she's beautiful and she is constantly she challenges she challenges him, him. All of the things that you get from a manic pixie dream girl, and it and, does make sense why she has feelings for him because he does see her monster out and he stays with her. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it makes there sense is, why she enjoys hanging out with him. Sure. But I don't under I don't quite understand why she would want to pursue a long term relationship with him. Well, uh, and I, other I, than the fact that yeah, like she, he sees her in her true form and he doesn't freak out and run away, which. 
it, yeah, that, it, that presumably that he's the first person that's... who's ever found out that she's this way because because typically she just has a one night stand. She has she never and, had any interest in falling in love. Yeah, like and nothing. so like when he asks her, so I guess you've never fallen in love then, and she's like, well, I guess not because I'm still immortal. Yeah, and so then like she just falls. In, I, so anyway. there, there are things about the <laughs> ending. There are things about what this movie is sort of giving that that sort of raw emotion of romance mm-hmm. that I do really enjoy. Yeah. However, I cannot turn off my logical brain. Yeah. Where relationships take work. Yeah. Even people who have fallen in love very quickly and got married very early. That doesn't happen after a week. And Especially for a 2,000-year-old creature, because they say she is 2,000 years old. Yeah. And you would think that with all the life experience she has, that she knows that this is something that is fleeting, which again, they I mean, I guess they sort of set it up that she's never actually been in a relationship. So the implications of the ending are fascinating because yeah. it is so <sighs> like, okay, I, I have to admit in the moment. I fully expected her to tran- to be reborn or to turn to a monster and eat him. And that, that to is me exactly is what, what should have happened. That's what I think the movie was deliberately trying to set up. And to me, that's and what the ending needed. So like at the end, whenever she says, tell me about the finite. And I was like, oh, that's a cool line. And he's talking about basically knowledge of death gives life meaning and and that is why like i I think it's beautiful and i understand like he talks about sunrises and coffee and all that shit that is very kind of goofy but he's also they also established that he is not a very poetic kind of guy so of course and it's it felt poetic for him and it worked in the moment for me and you hear all these like great squelching kind of noises where you can hear her sort of transitioning as it like zooms in on his face as he's describing it so you know she's kind of transitioning and, and then it pans out and she's human and like the sun has come up and a volcano explodes in the background all this shit it's crazy and i was like it legitimately took me by surprise that she because it's like oh it doesn't even tell you that she fell in love with him like you have to kind of piece it together like oh yeah. she's human now she didn't transform she wasn't reborn she fell in love and i was like oh that is like so beautiful and so sweet and that like feels like true love in the moment it works beautifully and again because of the way it's staged and the light it's so gorgeous and And, it really took me by surprise and got me in my feels and for me and as a romantic kind of person i loved it but then the more you think about it it's like oh the implications of this are crazy for me that scene instantly took me out of it because as he's talking about the finite and as he's talking about you need to appreciate every moment that you have and Mm -hmm. the fact that the movie starts with his mother dying and so there is just this ever-present feeling of death surrounding him to me when he's talking about the finite the the more poetic way to end is he has learned to appreciate the moment. Like yeah. he stopped being so just dude bro and like it even starts before he goes to Italy with like he's just trying to get a sympathy bang from some girl. Yeah. And so like to me over the course of the movie, if he had learned I've not been appreciating life mm-hmm. and I've been just too entitled and I finally found someone that makes me appreciate the fact that life is fleeting and I'm not leaving you. I'm going to stay here even as you turn into a monster because it is worth it to me to experience this final moment rather than running away because that's all that I've done is I've just run away from everything. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay through this. Then she should have eaten him because then it really drives home uh, just that 
again the poetry of he has embraced yeah. the finite and it also eliminates the very kind of problematic uh development that she literally gives up her life for him she gives up immortality she then also has to become a mother which she never really expressed any kind of interest in because now she's just pregnant with this child right and they also one other thing that kind of makes this really complicated is you know there's this great scene where they go and she shows like her origin story and it's pompeii yeah um and she shows her family and it's her mom and dad and her brother you know, kind of frozen in the in the rock, ash, whatever. Um, and they talk about how it's genetic. Yeah. Her, her, and and the mother. Genetic. The mother passed it to right. her. So her mother had to give up her immortality. Her mortality. For her father and and the kids. Uh, for, for her and her brother. Yeah. And, and, and again, like, because of that, it's sort of emphasizing being a parent you are giving up your life. Yeah. And as parents, <laughs> we can attest yeah, to that. <laughs> when you are a parent, you have to make sacrifices. You have to make changes. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know. Even this, just being, even just having a partner. I mean, yeah. And she's and so giving up. She is the one having to, to sacrifice everything. He's giving up cigarettes. Yeah. He's giving up cigarettes and his, you know, seed. It's just, I, <laughs> Again, Uh, I I love this movie, and even my complaint at the end, to me, it does not ruin the movie. mm -hmm. I still a thousand percent think this movie needs to be seen. And there are a lot of things to discuss with that ending, and there is a lot to say about romance, and there is a lot to say about how, um, you know, embracing the finite and enjoying every moment. Because, yeah, when she's immortal, how much is she really embracing the moment? Because she has a million more. Yeah. So, like, there is a lot to be said said there and it it's interesting i i just i I appreciate the romantic optimism of the ending of the movie like i like i said i'm kind of a hopeless romantic i love this shit i think it's beautiful and i love it when people fall in love and i love it when that is a genuine relationship and that's why it feels like this is a situation where a few years down the road you could easily see this relationship curdling and her months down the road yeah i mean even a few months down the road pregnant and she's like, well, and the, the other thing, the, the classic stereotype of a woman giving birth and that you did this to me. Yeah. Like, I mean, she's going to be like that. It's not even going to be a full year before she's like, what have I done? And yes, kids are wonderful and amazing. And <laughs> there certainly is a lot to be said about that. But it, it's the fact that she is having to sacrifice everything and at no point did she ever express any interest in that like she loves being immortal like she talks about how freeing it is like it's so it was so refreshing to see a female character so in control of her destiny and not at the whim of a man and there's this very there's even like kind of a you could read into like a pro choice sort of situation like my body my choice like this i don't i don't want to i am i don't want this child i'm going to absorb this child and be reborn and be free and I, it's it's really fascinating. She's such a great character. Like she, I almost wish that this movie was a dual protagonist. Like I wish that it wasn't clearly from Evan's perspective and starting off with him. Like I think they do a pretty good job once they introduce her about twenty minutes into the movie or so. Like going back and forth, seeing her struggling with like, oh, it's about time for me to be reborn, or I'm going to turn into a monster, all that stuff. Um, and kind of showing her struggles with that and how she has to like shoot up some i don't even remember exactly stem what cells. it is some, like she's, yeah, stem yeah, cells, she's like shooting up like rapid stem cells hold, or something hold it back it's, and how she yeah. deals with that and how she can't really you know emotionally bear herself to him because of that it's really fan- 
like incredible and just learning about her history and her family and how she's had to like the practicalities of having to live this life and having to have new identities made every time she's reborn. It's, it's fascinating. Um, and I just, again, I, I think it's such a great idea to have her embrace her immortality and it feels the more you think about it, the worse it feels that she gave it all up for this guy that she just met. Who's kind of a, a dish rag. I mean, yeah, he's just kind of down on himself with and some of the comments and the conversations that he has with Angelo about, um, you know, like the, the tree having root rot yeah. and these caterpillars destroying part of the tree so that it can regrow. And like, and I, in my I, mind, I yeah. Just, and there's some, there's great stuff in there. And what, in my mind, I, I honestly feel like the idea isn't necessarily that she's fallen in love with him, but that she is reborn because like in hearing him describe like she is totally convinced by the very end she's not in love with him and he's she's like you need to just run away you need to go i'm gonna i'm gonna be reborn and then it is in that final moment where he's talking about like yeah the fact that you have a limited number of sunrises is the reason why you appreciate them and it's like her hearing that and understanding that death gives meaning to life is ultimately what makes her decide to be mortal so it's more than just falling in love with him it is just falling in love with the world and understanding that you know have it having an infinite amount of time is empty right so she is re she does you know find herself being reborn yeah and in, I, a, in a totally different kind of way and that's beautiful there, and again, i love there the are idea things about that. the ending that i do love and there's mm. a lot about the ending that makes sense and the ending to me does not ruin the movie yeah and that's part of why you know when you and i started talking about it as soon as we finished watching it uh i was like i i need to rewatch this and i didn't mm. have a chance to rewatch it before we recorded but it's like i need to rewatch it to see it if, if I still feel the same way to see if by the time that I get to the end, if I'm like, you know what, maybe I was being too harsh. It really does make sense because of all the things that you were just saying mm-hmm. of maybe she didn't fall in love with him. She fell in love with with just enjoying life or maybe she did fall in love with being a mother or whatever. Maybe it wouldn't feel quite as he's sacrificing nothing and she's sacrificing everything. It feels very male fan. It's, it's the exact opposite of their of their meeting. It's it is the ultimate like male wish fulfillment it is i'm begging you i need you please stay with me yeah, even though this is better for you even though this is what you want i want you to do this so please do this yeah give up all of give your up hopes everything and dreams for me since yeah. you've known me for a week a week yeah. and like if she if she changes her mind like she can't undo it she can't then turn back into an eternal being and yeah like there's just forever and and if it had been a longer season, like if it had been months or if mm. it had been years or like if you had seen part of the relationship and then they uh, like when Harry met Sally, like they had been just away from each other for a while and then they re-meet. Like if there had been a more if you had get if you had been able to see more of the complexities of their relationship and there had been more of a sense of, you know what? These crazy kids are going to make it work. They're going to be able to work mm-hmm. through all of these issues yeah. because they're willing to put in the work of a relationship. And I think then you get I it. Wouldn't have, then I wouldn't have had an issue. Yeah, I it's, think it makes an honest attempt to do that, that they are like that he is willing to work with her through what she's currently going through and that he is willing to stick with her. But again, he's he's somebody who is dealing with grief um he's i mean i think that he has worked through it at this 
point but i mean again it's only been a week since his mom's yeah, died it, so as someone who's my mom has died and week. i know it's take it takes longer than a week to really get over something like that so i mean it's I don't know, man. It's it's one of those things where I do appreciate the idea behind the ending, and I like the way that it is done, and the hopeless romantic in me hopes that they'll work it out and that everything will be... I mean, obviously not great. Like you said, relationships will take work, but that they will come to appreciate each other and that they that everything will work out for them in the end. Um, I, other than the fact that their child is now going to have the same disease, that, right. that's something we didn't, that I was going to touch on a minute ago and forgot the, the, the two things <laughs> that's that bug ho- me horribly the most, selfish. Well, the two things that bug me the most about that ending is again, it had only been a week. And to me, there's not enough shown to like mm. really feel like they have the ability to work through it. Like, yeah, he's seen her as a monster, but she has never been a monster of a pregnant woman or she's never been a monster of growing old. It's like there's too many unknowns that yeah. you don't know how they're going to work through. Yeah. It. So if it had been a longer season, if it had been over months or years or whatever, and you had been able to see that, Man. I would have been more okay with it. Or if he if he had grown more and sacrificed more, because he doesn't really sacrifice much. He already has nothing left. And he's traveling Europe and like he even has uh, a line in there somewhere about like he's living the middle aged uh, woman's dream of just like living in Italy and being a yeah, farmer. Uh-huh. And and so it's just like it's eat, pray, love. Yeah, he's being very I'm, I'm just traveling Europe, just getting high with dudes and being a farmer now. And, and yeah, like what is he sacrificing so if there had been more of that if you had seen more of of evan like really going through a transformation but basically if her transforming back and forth between uh human and monster and eternal Mm -hmm. if that had mirrored more of his growth of going through his personal demons and learning to sacrifice what he wanted I also would have been more okay with it because then it's more of that mutual sacrifice. Yeah. His is much more of an emotional kind of journey. Like he has a full arc where he is, he has come through something in the end, but so much of it is predicated on her performing a sacrifice for him to get there. And she is the only person who's actually going through physical, like a physical arc where she is actually like literally changing. Um, So yeah, it does. It does read. I mean, I don't know. I I tried to uh, look up a bunch of reviews from a female perspective, and I found like maybe a couple that kind of pointed out how much of this is just like a male fantasy. Um, One that was very particularly angry about it um, and one that was just kind of more like, yeah, I mean, I don't really like the way that it goes, but the rest of the movie is so good and I appreciate so much of what else it's doing that it didn't destroy like it didn't ruin the movie for me right and and again like that's where i'm at of even though god i really do not like the ending (laughs) i still love the movie yeah and there are still genuinely good things Mm -hmm. about the ending again all the points that you presented of but this is what it says about romantic love and Uh blah 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 i agree with those points yeah it, it's I like it, and I mean, at the very least, it's getting people to talk about it, and it is worth discussing, and it is raising issues that uh, I, I mean, I wish this was a bigger movie because I feel like this discussion. I, I mean, there's not a whole lot online of people talking about this movie that I could see, and it's you know, 
six years old at this point now. So, yeah, and, yeah I don't know. I, it's a movie I really want to talk about more. I want to hear other perspectives on it, especially a female perspective. Yeah. And, and I'd again, like to watch this movie with my wife. Absolutely love this movie. It. I fully recommend this movie, even with my, here's my complaint. Mm-hmm. Again, that's trying to provide honest critiques of, of a movie. Um, but even with that critique, I loved Spring. Mm. I instantly wanted to watch more of Benson and Moorhead's movies, and I did. I went back and watched Resolution and The Endless. They are amazing directors. I, I love the feel that they give their movies, especially watching all three of those so close together and all that they are trying to say, mm. again, about finite and the infinite and time and the decisions that we make and um, you know, especially with some of the um, with the endless and resolution having some. I, I don't want to spoil things there. Yeah. <laughs> um, th- there's so much going on that watching Spring within that context, it does give it a much grander feel, mm. especially in talking about those themes and where does love fall within this? Um, yeah, especially because um, resolution also has a subplot of uh, of a child and mm-hmm. there's some pretty important stuff that happens there especially after you watch the endless and so like <laughs> there's there is a lot to be said there and so i don't i don't think at least i hope not i don't think that Benson and Moorhead were trying to present like a machismo male fantasy of women should give up everything. I oh, don't no. I honestly think that, think that, that is what they were trying to I present. I think that because ben, Benson wrote the screenplay, I feel like he, because of how well developed this female character is because of how she's literally the more interesting character in the film. And that I wish that we followed her sometimes even more so than Evan. It's definitely written from a male perspective, but I do think that he was taking pains to not make this movie, you know, every other male dominated kind of romantic film that you you've seen. Um, so I appreciate that, but it would be interesting to see if the movie had changed if there was like a, if he had brought a, a woman in to co-write it. Yeah. But, but again, watching it within the context of the other movies, it doesn't feel like misogynistic or anything. It just feels like a genuine, either he was just totally ignorant to it or I don't, I don't know. I'd be interested to like, I'd love to talk to them about this movie and like get their ideas on it. Yeah. And, and again, even with my critique, <laughs> it's not saying that I dislike it. I love this movie. See if they were aware of and, those criticisms. And there are or, great things about what this movie says about love and appreciating the moment. And and yeah, that line about tell me about the finite. I mean, that's like what are relationships if nothing more than just a series of moments that you share with someone that you then work through. And, you know, his talk about just sunrises and coffee and whatever how much of marriage is just like drinking coffee and watching the drinking sunrise. coffee yeah. and just sitting there. Those and, are the moments that you really come to appreciate yeah, in your talk, relationship. And, yeah, and talking about what you need to get from the grocery store. Like marriage is not these grand sweeping moments. It's, it's the work that you have to put in every day. And, yeah. and so maybe there was more of that intention of love. Isn't necessarily this grand thing. It is just, putting in the work and appreciating the moment. And so maybe battling the, the monsters and pushing yeah. them away and then just trying to, and like knowing that they will come back in some form or another, but yeah. dealing so, with them then and just appreciating what you can in the moment. So maybe what they were trying to do with the ending, I, I, I maybe it is there, but just my immediate emotional response to it was, nope, he should have died. He should have sacrificed. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't yeah. mean that that's what they were trying to do. I, I really don't think that they were trying 
to be all dubro machismo. Yeah. The guy gets everything, girl sacrifices everything. I don't think that that's what they were going for. Yeah. I think, I think thematically the ending you described fits better. It also would have been the ending I expected. Um, so in a certain way, I do appreciate the subversion. I, I don't know, man, I, I've really waffled back and forth on which one makes more sense and which, or which one I prefer. Right. Uh, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I again, I'm just a, a white guy heterosexual white guy who so my opinion is basically like the opinion that is constantly pushed on these types of movies all the time so i don't really feel like my opinion is matters one way or the other so i don't know i i don't know yeah i I really can't decide how to feel about it i i do really want to talk to them about definitely sympathetic to people if if you don't like the ending i a hundred percent understand why you wouldn't yeah but i also a hundred percent understand why someone would absolutely love the ending because Mm -hmm. of what it says about love because they're not focusing on oh but she and it's more of just this grander scale of yes love is sacrifice and she is having to sacrifice herself, but Evan's also having to sacrifice his freedom. And, and I, I, I do think that those components are mm-hmm. there. It's just not what's <laughs> emphasized. Yeah. So here's what, here's what I, I want to see. I think that Benson and Moorhead need to lean into all these link later comparisons and literally nine years after this movie in three years, they need to make a sequel and see like how their relationship is going later on now that they have a child and like I can just totally imagine her being like, I sacrificed eternity for you and you can't even lift a finger to do this or whatever. Like how they like the honest well, an honest examination of the repercussions of what would happen in this relationship, I think would be I think there's a movie there for yeah. sure. Well, especially I'd be fascinating, especially because, again, look at real relationships and how many times have, have you had conversations um, of. I gave up blah for you or even just like on a weekly basis of I'm not watching this movie tonight because I need to watch the kids. Yeah. yeah well, and you're it doesn't watching even the kids because blah, blah, blah. And, and so like, I don't even necessarily want it to be like a breakup ah, movie yeah. or anything, but I just really want to see the, like how they deal with this situation in a long-term relationship. And that's what, again, that is why, like as much as I love each individual movie in the before trilogy, what makes the what well, I always mention all three of them together and why I can't really pick a favorite is because they each make the other so much more like so much richer and more meaningful because you know like where these things go and how they're dealing with you know meeting on a train and spending the day together in Vienna yeah and the way well, that and- that just enriches each movie enriches it- the other in such profound and beautiful ways it's fascinating it, it also is very I feel very- so honest and genuine and real like. It also is very possible, and I, I don't know because we've not had a chance to talk to Benson and Moorhead. It's very possible that the ending of this movie is a male fantasy because, uh, like, one of them lost the loves of their life. Like, it, I could absolutely see how this movie is a way of working through, like, one of them not sacrificing mm. enough and losing someone that they love and, you know, like, wishing that they could go back and do things over and embrace the free spirit of whoever it was that they were in love with. And if they could have just learned to appreciate the moments with them, maybe they would have stuck around. Maybe they would have been able to make things work. And so like, I could see how that could have been the inspiration for this movie. So I could see how maybe it is a male fantasy as a, like a regret and a man, I wish that I could have made this relationship work. <laughs> you know what? So, One other thing I didn't think about too is uh, there is a volcano 
that erupts. <coughs> and when, maybe both of them are dying. And, both, and they, they, maybe they're just going to die. And yeah. it won't matter. And that <laughs> That's also, why she felt, she's like, oh shit, that volcano's erupting. I might as well just, you know. That also <laughs> would have been a very poetic ending. If, if they had, if she, if she had turned human and then instantly gotten uh, consumed by the volcano, I also would have been okay with that. I do well. I like that they don't show it. Like they just show the volcano erupting. So I yeah. don't know, man. That's it's it's a really I, there's so there's so much packed into that ending. That's why, as much as I would understand the criticisms, I absolutely love it. I think it is brilliantly put together the way that it works. I'm a sweetheart person. Sure. I, I love this. Like well, and and again, I'm on that. I love exact, happy endings, Nathan. I love happy endings. I am on the exact opposite side of that. Of even though I have a lot of criticisms, criticisms. I try not of to it, be cynical. I also understand where the the sentiment and where the emotion is, yeah. and I don't fault it for that. Gave me chills, Nathan. It, it legitimately gave me chills. It gave me frustrations, but I, I want I want to rewatch <laughs> it because maybe it won't in this rewatch. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I do understand <laughs> both arguments of here's why it's frustrating and here's why it's hopeful, and yeah, and it's worth. I mean, it's I think it, you can't really. To not acknowledge both of those readings would be disingenuous. Yeah, so. but I do love this movie, and I absolutely recommend it. God, it's so good. I, I'm really, I was really floored by it. I mean, I had such high expectations going into it, and I, I honestly expected. It's it's so weird because like I knew that I had high expectations going into it, and I'm sitting here like, oh god, I'm gonna I'm gonna disappoint myself. Like I was waffling back and forth between like I'm gonna be disappointed because of my expectations, and sure. then I wasn't, and it made it. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I really. It, have it's a, good a great time movie. With this. I love it. If you're looking for a romantic Valentine's monster movie, uh, watch Spring, or Dude. After Midnight, or Sadistic Intentions. Man, honestly, you could put these three together, and they really would work as a before trilogy. Well, because you're before, just following Jeremy Gardner. This is before Sunrise. A sadistic intentions is before sunset and then after midnight is before midnight because it is about because, like i feel like the themes of each of those movies kind of actually work you pretty well sadistic intentions if, doesn't quite connect if but. you're following jeremy you would have to watch it as uh spring before midnight after midnight after midnight yeah you would have to watch it as spring after midnight and then sadistic intentions if you're following jeremy's character do you have to watch yes that? you do if you're following Jeremy's character, you have to watch it in that order. You have to watch in that order. Trust me. All right. Eric, where do you want people to find you? Um, in Italy. <laughs> I really want to go to that town, man. It was so beautiful. Um, but I guess since I can't be there, you can find me on Twitter at uh, The Chimerican or on Instagram at Chimerican Reviews um, or somewhere else. Letterboxd, Eric J-A-Y. <laughs> I, need to, I need to be more on social media. No, you don't. I, can, I, I spend so much time like tweeting thing, like starting to tweet something, and then I get to the end of the tweet, and I'm like, "Yes, that's it," and then I just delete it and don't send it out because I'm like, "Nah, I have crippling anxiety about <laughs> tweets for some reason." I'm I'm just gonna start tweeting, uh, but you know, you have the 140 character limit. I'm just gonna get to 139 characters and just stop. I'm I'm not gonna give a second. <laughs> not tweet. do it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not gonna do like a thread of like one of eight. It's just. Whatever I start saying, and then I'm just going to stop, and and then just that's walk basically away. what I do. Yeah, only yeah. I don't let people see no, it. I'm just going to post. Anywho, <laughs> I am not really going to do that. So you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Video Monster Pod. Uh, and if you enjoyed this episode and you want to keep coming back for more of our Love and Monsters series, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast: Stitcher, Spotify. 
Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Follow us, listen to us, rate us, tell us that you love us. Please, you know. we need validation. Yes. And also, we just want other people to find out about our podcast because hopefully we have a good podcast. I mean, I like to think I, that I like people think enjoy so. listening to us. I enjoy talking. Sure. You. I think people would. I think it's worth listening. I enjoy to. listening to me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't listen. <laughs> I don't listen to it. I want other people to listen to it. So, uh, yes, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow wherever you get podcasts and keep coming back. Um, uh, we're going to be continuing on with our Love and Monsters series. Next up is going to be Shape of Water. At the end of this month, we hopefully are going to be able to do a two-part episode for our Decades series. Um, and then coming up in two short months is the Chattanooga Film Festival. Uh, released on February 14th is going to be After Midnight and Sadistic Intentions, so be sure to uh, to pre-order those and to watch those. And they're both very sweet and very romantic and also kind of, um, you know, weird. Love them. Love them. Love those yeah, movies so, so much. Good, I also love Spring. It's yeah, really they, all, they all work together as like a beautiful trifecta of like indie horror romance. Just gooey goodness. Yeah, sure. They're great movies. Watch them. (laughs) All right. That's been it for this episode of Video Monsters. I'm Nathan. And I'm Eric. And remember, kids, um, uh, love can be a monster. Love can be a battlefield? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I didn't have anything. I wasn't prepared. Um, Remember, men, please stop asking women to sacrifice shit for you because they are so much better than you are probably and let them just and do whatever they want and walk all over you and all that other stuff down with the patriarchy all that horseshit. and and remember kids love takes work it even does, if it is like just super romantic and full of passion it, it takes work so when you love someone um they're worth it yeah put in the work make sure they are worth the work Yes, and actually put in the work. Also, to love them. make sure you're worth it. <laughs> I think that's actually the better way to look at this. Make sure you are worth them putting in the effort for you. <laughs> like that's ultimate, that's kind of like my life philosophy. Am I worth everything that she does for me? And uh, nine times out of ten, I say no. Well, that's but also, I'm always trying to do better. That's also part of the work is work on improving yourself. Right. But yeah, because relation relationships take work. They don't just take passion. Passion's great and all, but you gotta put in the work. Passion, I mean, passion's necessary. Yeah. But, you know. I love that this became like a, (laughs) that we've become love, like a love hotline. We need to, (laughs) oh man, we should have totally, I wish we had thought about this. We should have had people like send us in love letters or like letters on like asking for advice on love. And then we could have made that a bit for the podcast. Sure. If you, uh, if you want us, if you want our advice on love, send us something. We probably wouldn't give very good advice, but I mean, it would be fun to try to do something with it. We would just relate it to like some movie like, oh, yeah, it's like in The Fly when, you know, you know nothing about the person, but still say you love them. Anywho, Mm. go go watch Love and Monster movies. That was my inner creature about that. (laughs) They're a lot of fun. Uh, And come back very soon for our episode on The Shape of Water. Okay, bye. excited about the shape of water is that the first time i said did i go through a whole episode without saying it no you've you've said it like three or four times are you serious i was not aware i'm totally i don't even know what just happened dude i'm so 
I've taken. It's I've, okay. I've taken I, a lot of cold medicine. I, I think we're only at like six for the episode. <sighs> Man, I'm so upset. I legitimately like got excited. I was thinking I didn't say it. I'm sorry, Nathan. That's oh, okay. Am I worth the effort? This is a relationship, right? <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, I am the one who puts in all the work. I should have waited till you turn off the mic to start talking about this. No. This is just going to be the post credit. Yeah, you stuff. are the one who does all the work, and then I just kind of like show up. And yeah, I'm the one who sacrifices everything. You are you are the Louise in yes. this relationship. Sometimes I can be a monster. <laughs> that that makes sense. That's why you don't like the ending of this movie, and I do. <laughs> it's because, because I'm the one having to sacrifice it to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, so great. Now, now I really want you to keep this in there. Oh, I, I, I totally am. Yeah. Bye now.